our second official episode of We Got Us. And we are going to do a quick little recap of what we witnessed on September 29th in the presidential debate. Um, I know that two of us watched pretty much the whole thing. One of us caught snippets, but I think we all pretty much have a grasp on how that went. So let's let's decompress. How are y'all feeling after that? Jasmine, Tashea, anybody? Yeah, girl. I mean, yeah. So I have this thing about watching the debates. And this is just a thing I feel like I've been doing forever, right? Like, I've never really watched the presidential debates just because I feel like they're so... I don't know what the word is, but they're just not, like... I don't ever feel like I get anything out of them because it's just, like, this batting match, right? Of, like, insults and, well, he did this or she did that or blah, blah, blah. And it's just more of a time, instead of them talking, like, to the American people trying to win us over, I feel like they're more focused on each other sometimes. So I just don't watch the debates. However, I did catch lots of play-by-plays and snippets (laughs) via social media. Mm -hmm. So I did hear that it was, you know, a bit of a shit show. (laughs) That's fair. That's that's fair. Okay. (laughs) And to show thought. You know. This debate has been called a hot mess, and I think that just sums it up. It was so messy. It was messy, and it was unfortunate, because I think so many people were actually really excited on on all sides, right? To see this final, you know, not the final, but, like, to see this, their first showdown. What are they going to talk about? What do they stand for? But it really was just... A hot mess, I guess you could say. And, I mean, (laughs) it's interesting because Trump didn't even, as much as he was interrupting, in my opinion, he didn't even get, like, his own agenda across, right? So, he didn't even really address what he plans to do. Um, He was asked certain questions, particularly, maybe, like, about women and female voters. He missed that. And then Biden really had no hope. Like, he could not do much of anything. He wasn't able to answer questions that were directly asked to him. He kept being interrupted. And I could tell, like, it really got to him. It just seemed like he was being, and this is just my opinion, but he was being interrupted and he was being, like, they call it, like, badgered, right? right? The whole time. So he wasn't able to get across, and he did. He kind of, you know got upset or some say lost his cool and was like shut up man which I think was we all were thinking it and he said it but I just feel bad that we this was a missed opportunity for them and for all of us to to really understand what do they stand for and what we might look forward to right and how about you I mean I I share the same sentiment with you because I feel like I watched it and I I mean, again, we've already kind of talked about it, right? Like, I don't necessarily, like, I'm nonpartisan, so I'm not necessarily affiliated with any, like, one particular party. And so I just kind of went in with, like, okay, well, maybe this will be, like, a good opportunity to to discuss a lot of the policies and things that I think, um, specifically, like, that this year has brought on, right? Because there's a lot going on, like, they're supposed to talk about climate change, COVID, um, the economy, racial injustice. Those are like really important policies that I was specifically very interested in. So I was like, oh yeah, like this will be really good to to hear from them. And I think that it, there were a lot of missed opportunities. I think that um, the I tried really hard, really hard to like read between the lines of what each of them were saying and I think I got like bits and pieces of, of what they were hoping to say but I don't think that it was any sort of like cohesive um, like plan or or agenda or any of that and, and it's sad right because I feel like it shouldn't be a debate to where you're not even allowing another person to talk whether or not you agree or disagree with them 
So I just think that it was a lot of missed opportunities. It was very unfortunate, especially that it took place on a global stage. And I think that it it made America, not only to its citizens, but to the rest of the world, seem very um, disorganized. Mm-hmm. If I can say yeah, I definitely agree. Like, I think, like Michelle was saying, like, it was such a missed opportunity. I feel like, especially for voters who are on the fence, right? Who don't really know, am I with Trump? Am I with Biden? And I think a lot of people were looking forward to the debate to help them make a decision about, like, should they vote, right? Because I think a lot of people feel like, is it even worth it to vote, you know, at this point? And I think that would have been a great opportunity just as for us as a country to, like, establish, like, there is some sense of hope no matter which way, no matter what side of the line you stand on. But then also for them to have a better understanding of, like, does this candidate represent me? And I just feel like so often these debates just miss that mark. And I don't know if it was just because, like, it was just, well, like, not well, like, planned out, you know? Like, it just seemed like there wasn't any sort of, like, process or procedure on, or, like, talk at the beginning to just say, like, look, both of you, you know, this is how we want this to go down. And maybe there was, and that just went out the window when things got started. But it just seemed like, even from the mediator, it was like, maybe we needed somebody like a little bit stronger in that position who could have been like, look, Trump, like, you have your time, like, this is his time, or, you know, can we get on topic, you know? And I knew, I did hear like that the mediator tried to like kind of be like, hey, you didn't answer the question, but. <laughs> And that, you know, and that so was, I don't know. That was the thing, because he did do that. You know, he did interrupt and say these were the established guidelines that you established ahead of time, um, and you're not even following your own rules. Um, he did try to demand the the room back to its focus and such, and so it was unfortunate that even with all of that, it still didn't happen. And a lot of people were like, well, mics should have been turned off when the interrupting happened. And I think that if there is a second presidential debate or for the third presidential debate, I think that's something that was discussed. But I also feel like it shouldn't have to be all that, right? Like at this point, as an adult period, you should know how to how to listen even if you're listening with a response in mind which is typically what happens during a debate you should also know like hey like i'm gonna rebuttal everything you just said but i'm still gonna let you say what you had to say you know you don't have to pull a kanye taylor swift moment and be like wait a minute (laughs) i'm gonna let you finish but i just want to say this literally every 30 seconds but um The one thing I will say, and y'all can weigh in on this too, is they did talk about voting a lot and those voters that may be on the fence. And I think that that was probably actually one of Biden's strongest moments when he was encouraging people to vote. And he touched a little bit on voter suppression and saying, you know, your vote will count. It doesn't matter how long it takes for us to count them. If you have it postmarked by this date, um, then it's going to count. And I think that that was a good moment for him. And I think that um, the opposition to that was if the votes don't come out in a particular way, we're going to have an issue. And so you see two different extremes when it comes to that. So like, what are your thoughts, I guess, in regards to that part? I mean... I feel like to the person that said, hey, if the votes don't come out this way, like there's going to be a problem. It almost feels like threatening, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like you're on a national stage threatening people, saying, and I think that's almost scary for people, like... You know, but at the same time, I feel like for people who may be opposed to that side should feel 
like that much more fired up about like we now we have to do this yeah. we need to vote we got to go you know and i've heard a lot of people say like on my own personal social media and just in general saying like this is going to be my first time voting in a presidential election and these aren't like young people right like we're not talking about like newly turned 18 year olds you know we're talking about like people who are in like their 30s you know saying this is my first time voting and i think that's so powerful because i think on one side what he said was to threaten people maybe to get them to come to his side mm-hmm. right or to say like don't vote kind of deal to make people run and hide and i think we're past that i think people today are so fired up and want to see change so like desperately not like that you know we've been saying we, we need change we need change but i think now people are like yearning like are like taking their last breath of like hope on this and saying like I have to do something. And I feel like voting is that something. And I think it'll make a lot of people just be like, even if I have to stand in a line for five hours to vote, like I will. I feel that. Hopefully you don't have to stand in a line for five hours. To show, let's talk about it. (laughs) Thoughts, my man. My man. I honestly wish they would have talked more about this, the the voter suppression and the stuff going with the the, um, the the all I do is keep stuttering. Sorry, the yeah. issues that come across with the mail-in voting and mm-hmm. having polling stations taken away or not allowing people to go vote. Right. Um, I think that was just, in my opinion, I think it was missed, but also, like, was there an opportunity to even talk about it? Probably not. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully, we hope to hear more about that in the, the coming debates, because I think that's a huge issue um, that's going to be facing all of us. Yeah, I think the, I think half are, let's, I can't say, I think there are a lot more people motivated to vote this time, but I also think there's a lot that are super discouraged because of all the controversy yeah. around can right. we'll even be able to vote you know um, yeah and they didn't and I, and I think that the, yes they may have addressed a, a bit about voting which was you know yay they got a few things in right <laughs> a little bit in but not really talk about why we should even vote for them it was just it was a huge missed opportunity as right. when you you know as jasmine said there's a there's new people she's like there's people who are going to be voting for the first time young and older right mm-hmm. and the fact that you know we're supposed to listen to these debates to know more about why we're going to vote and what we're voting for and the right. policies they stand for and we didn't really get a lot of information on that right that's um disheartening exactly about you? i think what what I found interesting, I think, at the end of that was that both of them somewhat took to Twitter to, like, explain away a lot of the things that they didn't get a chance to say, right? And, like, not that that's a bad method. I think especially during quarantine, that's been a lot, pretty much, like, our primary mode of communication, right? But at the same time, is like, what age demographic uses Twitter the most? So you're still missing a large portion of people um that are still vote voter voting eligible if i can talk but okay so after that um we know that president trump now has the corona and um regardless of how you feel you know i hope a speedy and healthy recovery because um that's not an easy illness to deal with i know that many of us probably know people who have had it and i know a few who have died from it so you know i don't wish death or illness upon anybody but um so that was news and that is why i think that the second presidential debate is still tba because nobody knows what's gonna happen it was scheduled for October 15th and now we don't know but what we do know is that on October 7th we are having the 
vice presidential debate in Salt Lake City, Utah, right there with both of y'all at the University of Utah. Right. Go you. Um, where we're alumnus. Yes, no. yes, yeah. Two of us are. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. But, um, okay, so they're having the vice presidential debate with Mike Pence and Kamala Harris. I always get Sis's name wrong and I always feel bad every time, so I'm sorry. But, um, they are going to be talking about, so here's the thing. We, we did a grip of research trying to find out what these topics were going to be. Literally found one article that mentioned a couple of things. So this may or may not be accurate. It may or may not change. So for those of y'all listening, just go ahead and bear with us. <laughs> but the issues that are supposed to be discussed are, you know, the issues that are facing the nation, including COVID-19, the economy, climate crisis, racial justice, and gun control. All big things, all very controversial topics. So how do you think this is going to go down, starting with COVID-19? To Shell, thoughts? Where do you think they stand with that? It's uh, that's a really good question. <laughs> I think it's complicated, right? When we think about COVID-19 and how it has really wreaked havoc here in the United States, it's a complicated question and it's a complicated answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's going to be important for them, you know, both Pence and Harris to acknowledge the toll it's taken on the U.S. On mm-hmm. uh, and it's interesting because you meant, you know, at as you found in that article, it's going to be talking about COVID-19. They're going to be talking about COVID-19, the economy, climate, and climate change, right? And all of those have, all of those have been impacted by COVID, right? And COVID has impacted the economy, right? So it's just a really interesting. I'm, I'm excited and hopeful that this will be a better debate and that they will address, you know, what the strategies, what the strategies are moving forward and what as vice presidents they would do to support their um their running mate right for lack of terms their president um but it's gonna it's going to be interesting Uh, that's all i can say i i think that there's going to be a bit of time dedicated to the fact that mr trump has been diagnosed with covid and questions will be asked around that, his well-being, how that's going to change. I think that's going to be a question, how that's going to, if they foresee that changing the way the election is going to go, right. for positive or negative. Because I know some, um, you know, with this diagnosis being one of the hottest trends as far as um, news going on, there's there's this has, there's been like two sides of this too, right? There's some who's now more empathetic because of it, especially those who have lost loved ones or who have experienced COVID-19 themselves but then there's those other ones who are like there's other views of like well he didn't protect us as as or his um the advice that was given was not the best for us so they don't have as much sympathy so I think it's going to be really interesting I think a lot of the night will be dedicated to talking about that whole um, the phenomenon of COVID-19 aka coronavirus yeah and Dude. how it's going to look in the new year right how long will this follow us right Jasmine thoughts yeah I was just thinking about this um and I definitely think that like COVID-19 and the economy right are two like topics that kind of go hand in hand because we have seen the huge impact that COVID-19 has had on our economy from like you know amazing small businesses and restaurants that have had to close down you know like those neighborhood places that we all know and love and I feel like that's so sad and I feel like if they didn't touch on how they plan or how their camp plans moving forward to help, I don't know, like if it's, if the right word is restabilize, you know, America's economy, right? Or 
but I think it just like COVID-19 really helped bring to the surface a lot of holes within our economy right as far as like how the government operates how they support businesses in general right because I even feel like with like a lot of the COVID-19 like PPE relief and all of that stuff like you heard of like huge corporations who received that those monies first right and how the process was so difficult for people like small businesses like nonprofits to apply and to get that money and how like the restraints on them were so hard that it almost like taking the money would have in essence sometimes crippled some of these businesses and having to face that challenge where it's like do I take the this you know $500 they're offering me to help buy supplies or whatever and then have to pay back you know that amount plus three times you know so um I just hope that that's helped them I hope that they touch on the gaps that COVID-19 has brought to the surface and how they plan to move forward with them um and so yeah I definitely think I'd be really really surprised if like uh, Trump having President Trump having gotten because I, I feel like that's so disrespectful to call when you when people would call like Obama oh. pre, like just Obama and not say like president before it's like the man has the title, some respect so on his name his respect right so you know President Trump now having the virus I think I will I hope that in and historically right since this since COVID nineteen has came his what what is it called i'm blanking on the words his um administration has been very like like light about the situation i guess for lack of a better word and so i hope now like with him having it that the sentiments towards COVID 19 for them will change because there is a huge possibility that he could win again and that you know he will be our president for another four years um and I think America needs to hear how he's going to deal with this moving forward and how hopefully his sentiments have changed towards COVID-19 because I don't foresee COVID-19 going away anytime soon and um, we need to know like as a nation what we're going to do because I honestly feel like nationally we're kind of being like like laughed at in a sense of how light how this has affected our country so majorly Mm -hmm. right on all facets whereas like you see other countries who are like well we shut down for 30 days and like look our numbers are so small we haven't really had any reoccurring like outbreaks and stuff and it's like why can't you america you guys are supposed to be like the big dogs why aren't like how are you guys still having these issues you know when us like us smaller dogs are like killing it and it's like hello get it together and and that's like i think the difficult part with that too right because when when you bring up covid19 specifically when you're talking about gaps one of the first things that came to mind for me was not necessarily just the gaps that it's going to bring up like as far as an economic standpoint but it brought forth like a lot of health gaps right like in our healthcare infrastructure um because we know that those who were most likely to get it were those considered essential, right? Which typically um, impacted whether that's low-income white people, low-income Latinx community, or low-income black people, um, or just people of color in general, right? And because we're essential, we work at the restaurants or work in grocery stores or um work in jobs where we we don't necessarily have the luxury of um family medical leave or pay time off or working remotely and so we have to go into work which means that you're inadvertently like more exposed right um and so then we see all these rises of cases happening like Tishelle and I were talking earlier, so like the numbers are starting to rise again in different places, different hotspots. 
So hospitals are being flooded. And then it brings up that question of, well, who's going to pay for it? Right. Because <laughs> like, mm-hmm. okay, like you're in here. I can't necessarily, I can't deny you care when you're like to a certain level of illness. So who will pay for that then? And that goes back to, you know, the economy. But then it also goes back to, okay, well, what kind of care are you going to get? Like quality care. Um, it raised a lot of questions mm-hmm. because with only one or two people being allowed in there with you or no people at all, for people who may not be like native English speakers, um, what kind of care were you receiving if you're your only advocate? Um, if you're, you know, Black American, you know that, I, don't, I mean, I don't know about for y'all, but I know for like our family, if someone's in the hospital, baby, the whole family has to come and visit you to make sure you're okay. Right. So if you're in there by yourself, and your family really doesn't know how you're doing. Your only mode of communication is like Zoom or Duo or Google Meets, whatever. But you really don't have access to that. You know, there were a lot of people who died and it was like, oh, the cause is COVID. But it's like, but what if it wasn't though? Like, yeah. what if it was neglect, you know, but you don't have anybody to check that. Mm-hmm. Um, it brought, right. it brought forth. I think I don't, I don't I don't know it it just brought forth a lot of different gaps like all over right and then one of the things that I hope that they talk about in this debate the most is we all got twelve hundred dollar stimulus check girl right I'm gonna say that too <laughs> so, so like real quick are we gonna get another one or not? follow-up question <laughs> are you gonna make me put this on my taxes or not because also I didn't ask for it you know what I mean like y'all gave it to me and I thank you because I used it but I didn't ask for it so like am I gonna have to put this on my taxes and if so what does that look like next tax season mm-hmm. when you're telling me I made too much money and like I didn't though you know what I mean and I think that those are a lot of questions that have yet to be addressed and I really really want them to address it because it's like that that's a very dangerous slippery slope especially for a lot of people that may you know be out of a job now because a lot of people got furloughed and laid off yeah um right so I'm I'm gonna be that's why if you got that unemployment I hope y'all was having them take the taxes out of your unemployment every time I'm trying to tell you because there's several people I met that was like oh baby I'm good I'm getting unemployment but are you though right because you know I um like my partner is in the restaurant industry so like they were laid off for about three months because of COVID and during that time he was getting the unemployment plus the little bonus you know so it was definitely like good money like I'm not even gonna front like I've heard I read this article or this blog from this um woman right who said like yeah I was a bartender or something and she had gotten furloughed and was collecting unemployment and was the first time in her life where she would like wasn't worried about um like how she was gonna make ends meet right because one you're getting this check which could have been like up to a thousand dollars a week not every two weeks oh baby so you know you're making like somewhere around you know maybe four thousand dollars a month right and you maybe have never made that amount in your life right for some people and then on top of that you had a lot of companies which i think is great however you know at the end of these periods where they were giving you these like grace periods or whatever you know you're having to pay that because people won't get paid at the end of the day so they gonna get their money one way or another And so, you know, but she felt like I was able to save for the first time in my life. And so I think, yes, like, I really hope, I really hope they do touch on that. Like how this is going to affect you come tax season, because we all know Uncle Sam is getting his money. So I hope, you know, everybody was being responsible and that you were able to save, you know, because I know we were and you know it did help a lot of people 
financially be able to stabilize their lives whereas before they were struggling and having these pressures of having to make ends meet and so I think that's one thing where we I know we don't talk a lot about like the positive effects that happened with COVID but I feel like that's one positive for a lot of like low-income families where they maybe were able to stabilize their lives financially because of this I mean go ahead I'm sorry no it's just 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 to your point that I I think it it's great if people were able to save and, and use that but again it it brings up a huge disparity in financial literacy and huge issues where if people have never seen that sort of money in their life how sad is that especially working their whole life and i know when you think about it you know not all of us take a financial literacy class or are super aware unless our we had parents that taught us or maybe it was a requirement in school but i'm i'm guessing that's that's not a lot of people no and i i think I think you're exactly right. And and that kind of will jump into the next segment that they would be talking about, which would be the economy, right? Which would fall under like financial literacy and such. I don't know. Um, I don't have like a direct number for statistics, but one thing I know my brother and I were talking about, like just amongst like the black people that we know, right? And I don't want to generalize, but I know that there's a lot of a lack of financial literacy in the black community, period. So you're talking about getting a large amount of money, right? Um, along with just not saving, but thinking about like 401ks, some people had to tap into that and that's the retirement fund. We all know we're not getting social security when we retire. <laughs> that's dead. Fact. So, you know, you're tapping into something that you know that you're going to eventually need. And then we're also looking at um, what like how are you investing that right like how are you able to like capitalize on that not just in that moment but to make more money and it does bring up the the wealth disparity gap which is something that i i hope that they talk on because i know before we talked about wanting the minimum wage to be at 15 dollars an hour right but in nashville if i make 15 dollars an hour baby i'm still gonna be poor you know what i mean like Okay. in cities like San Francisco or really even Utah for that matter because Utah is starting to become very progressive as well if you live in Salt Lake City proper you're still not gonna be living like you you're gonna have to sacrifice something right whether that's the security of where you live whether that's another essential or basic need that you have and so that's one thing that I hope they talk about too they've talked a lot about creating jobs right but like, are those jobs going to be able to be turned into careers and not just like one-off sort of jobs? Is it gonna offer life insurance, accidental insurance? Is it going to provide an opportunity of growth and is it going to match the cost of living for where I am? Is it going to offer health insurance? Because one thing I've learned as an adult, as I'm adulting, is that health insurance is expensive. And when I see it come out of my check every month, I really wonder, like, do I need this for real, for real? Like, you know what I mean? Or can I go without it? And so I think, right. I think that those are all things that, that once again, I hope they touch on. But thoughts from that, Any? Or in regards to the economy at all, I should yeah I mean I definitely like hear where you're coming from especially with like the whole health insurance thing and it like it being so expensive right like like we're like especially for people who I think that's a real concern for people right health insurance because there are a lot of people whose jobs like don't even offer health insurance right or you have to be full-time and you know and you have two part-time jobs so you don't even qualify for it or you're having to pay the cost for it right and I think I feel like a lot of people's um, employers are start or at least in the sector that I work in right which is nonprofits. a lot of nonprofits because you don't make great money right um what they've started to do is started to subsidize 100% like your the cost of your insurance so the company is paying for it 
However, if you have a partner like I do that doesn't get insurance through their job or can't, then, you know, you pay for those other people. And I see it come out of my check and I'm thinking like, and that's every two weeks, you know what I mean? So it's just like, bruh, that's a lot of money that gets that gets taken out. And it's like, if you only use it once, like, you know, we don't go to the doctor very often other than just like our general checkups. And it's kind of like, you feel like you're paying all of this money just to go routine one time. right so essentially you're paying for like a just in case right which is pretty much like accidental right. insurance or like life insurance like oh just in case and i know there's been a lot of companies that are offering like and i really don't understand insurance y'all so don't like drag me but i know that there's like portions where there's a sort of insurance where you can like pay into it but it's like you only like use what you need sort of thing. Yeah, you know? you're talking about like an HSA, like yeah. a health, like it's so you pay a more expense, which is what I, I only know this y'all because I have right. one. <laughs> and it took me a while to understand, but it's better for people like younger adults, right? To have a health savings account, which basically means that like you, do you can pay into it so you what you have to do is you have to meet your deductibles so you pay basically the full cost of going to like the doctor right and if you go to the doctor one time a year and you pay your little like $200 fee then that that's it right and that's fine but let's just say in that year you had to go to the doctor and then you had a health thing that happened you would have to wait if you had to go to the emergency room right you pay you have to pay up until your deductible plus you have to pay for the emergency right however this whole time you have this account that isn't being taxed that money that you can put into and your employer puts into and you could use those funds for any medical expense so that's what i do so i have a credit card and i go if i have to go and buy like medication from the pharmacy or a knee brace or whatever any medical expense you can use it even dental or eyeglasses yeah so i think that's like the flip side but you do pay a higher like monthly rate every time which i mean opposed to just a normal one which i mean is a good option right like you pointed out but then the next point is that you have so many jobs out right now right so there's all these jobs that are being created now trying to get the economy back in balance but a lot of these jobs are saying they're temporary so then you still don't have the option of healthcare insurance and so now you're pretty much like back at square one right so like if you have the option of an hsa plan and you feel that you're relatively health healthy then sure you should go with that i just paying out because like i don't stranger things have happened one time i got a thing on my toe and i needed to go and i was happy i had insurance right but like if you don't or if you have a job that isn't offering that but you're working like full-time hours in that way then you really are just left high and dry or you have to go to an instacare because that's you know relatively cheaper than the emergency room or you just try to doctor on yourself which is also fairly problematic or in another so, country you know there's there's a lot of people who go to mexico for New Jersey. Yeah. Because it's less expensive. Exactly. Thinking about healthcare, right. health insurance, health disparities. You know, there there's a saying that, you know, most people can't afford to get sick. And that goes two ways. Either, you know, they really can't afford the insurance. Or if they get sick, they know they can't afford it. Like, the number of people who file bankruptcy or lose their assets in home related to medical care or medical-related expenses mm-hmm. is so disturbing. You know, and that's something we really don't talk about. And, you know, similar to what you guys are talking about, say someone has two part-time jobs, you know, they may be able to apply for insurance through Marketplace, but Marketplace may still deem them as making too much and still pay their premiums like four or $500 a month and they only bring home 1600 Like, you're not going to pay rent here in Salt Lake City. You're not going to pay rent in California. You're not going to be able to pay for rent in Tennessee. Like, you can't afford to be sick. You can't afford the insurance. And... You know, if you're lucky, maybe, and I don't know if you call it lucky, because if you have, if you're low income status, which that's not lucky, you might be able to qualify for, you know, the Medicaid, you know, be for Medicaid. Right. But again, it's, there's still limitations for adults, right? Yeah. 
but even then you know mm-hmm. your your the the physicians within your network are limited substantially the quality that you may receive is also yes. limited substantially and there's only certain like things that you can be seen for you know what i mean like that may limit it if you need to put tissues or what that looks like um, so yeah, those those are very good points. And one thing I also think that we should talk about at some point too, like we are talking about the healthcare industry, right? Is this notion, and I know they talked about it a lot when Bernie Sanders was in the picture of like universal healthcare and what that looks like, um, especially in America, because we're known or we're well known, I should say, for our tertiary care, meaning like our specialized care. So like if you get cancer or um, if you have to have something amputated or just anything I think that's like specific, that's kind of like our forte. But when you look at something that's like primary healthcare, we've seen other countries, developed countries such as like Canada, pretty much everywhere in the EU, Spain, all these other people, right, who do it well. But the downfall for that, right, is that if you're not a citizen of the country or or a resident of the country, then you still have to pay extremely high premiums. And if you need specialized care, then you still have to pay extremely high premiums. So, I mean, at some point, I think we'll probably have an episode where we circle back around for that, because I think that that's kind of important to touch on in what those systems may look like. Um, especially like in our infrastructure but I just wanted to give it a nod because I know that there will be somebody who listens that's like we should just do universal health care and not really understand like what that means or looks like here and yeah us. I think that'd be a great yeah a great segment to talk about like the Florida system the universal health care what that even means yeah. right because they, when you talk about you know Bernie Sanders, T.O. Bernie, whatever you want to call him. I love Mr. Bernie. I want him to be my uncle. But anyway, I think that, you know, people get stuck on this idea of, you know, oh, he's a socialist. Well, most people don't know what that means. It just sounds negative. But I think he he has a very important point when it comes to universal health care. And a lot of other amazing countries have it. So to be continued on that, I'm glad you brought it up. Yes. Okay, so I know that we're kind of hitting, we're, we're above our mark. I just want y'all to know and being mindful of time, we are at 43 minutes. Um, I know that we do have a couple of other things that we want to touch on and I want to make sure that we can give them like a little nice nod. Um, so I want to like make sure that we're moving along, ch- ch- chugging along. Just kidding. Watch too many kids, or I read too many kids books. Um, with my nephew. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> it's important to say. It's important to say that I don't just read. I'm getting some good news in your life. You know, one fish, two fish didn't hurt nobody. You know, ever right? Green eggs and ham never did anybody wrong. Um, okay. So the climate crisis—that's the next kind of big thing. Do you guys have any like? pressing thoughts on that any kind of comments that you'd like to make I know that like obviously we can't cover it in just a little bit but any kind of recycling is good no <laughs> Facts. um and I, I this again is my, this will be my opinion but the question of is there a climate crisis is a rhetorical one so yeah I definitely think this is a topic we should cover more and I hope that the candidates you know the the vice president candidates do talk about it on Wednesday and we can maybe comment on it then because it's not it's not a question so when people ask that it's like for example when they asked President Trump is you know is there a global climate crisis like yeah you know (laughs) like uh it's more like what are we gonna do about it Really right. Right. I'm telling you, little little Greta, little Greta ain't playing shit. She finna put an X on everybody. Little Greta Thornburg out here talking about some. You failed us all, like sis. I'm 27. I ain't do nothing. It was like this when we. <laughs> I was. Like, 
great. Like this is what I got. <laughs> but um, sorry, Jasmine, pressing thought. Yeah, I agree with everything that you guys have said in regards to climate crisis. However, I will say that I am not very uh, versed in climate crisis. I do feel like there definitely is an issue when we've got places like Nevada getting snow. So just saying I was there for that and it was definitely very eye-opening that that happened. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I definitely think that there is a climate crisis happening and I think there does need to be some major changes around it. Um, and I think everybody has a part to play in this, right? We all live on this planet. We all need to take care of it um, if we want to live here for a long time. Um, right. What those steps are, you know, and what's going to make real impact is like, because even like when it comes to recycling, like I feel like it's a tough thing to recycle, right? Like, cause if just one person on your block doesn't recycle and like put, and they put the that non-recyclable stuff in with the real recycling stuff, then the whole truck is not good, you know? And so it's like, I wish, I would love to see what those numbers are of like the amount of recycling that people think oh I'm recycling I'm doing good right but if one person didn't do good on didn't recycle just the right way then it ruined it ruins it for everybody um right so yeah I think there needs to be some major changes around climate the climate crisis however I just feel like it's not a topic that a lot of them like I feel like Americans think about it right but I feel like it's not as hot of a topic or like people don't get up in arms about it as they do like gun control or like racial injustices like I think people don't really think about climate and I'm I'm guilty of this as well right like I'm just like well somebody else will do it you know (laughs) it's fine and I think we just don't talk about it enough and I think there's a huge lack of education around it too and it's complicated, right? right? And, and I mean, like, I think that when we think about COVID and the climate, um, being in California at the time that COVID hit, I mean, Los Angeles and other, you know, these other areas, San Francisco, and I, I'm thinking this when I'm on to place in Utah too, although I wasn't here, is, you know, they'd never seen such clear skies. The air was never so clean from when time people were, I, you know, required to be in their homes like it this wonderful thing like the air was clear that you know the roads were clear there was less you know there's less issues when it came to you know the world we're in but now we see people are kind of back to living their lives we have fires being set because of what uh, gender reveals <laughs> and then they're spreading right you know what I mean? Like, we're seeing the fires. We have earthquakes here. You know what I mean? Well, there were earthquakes in Utah. I missed all of them. But, um, <laughs> you know, the, there's these different things that are going on that point a clear issue, you know? And right. it's like, what what can we do to treat our world better? I mean, I think that pegs the point, too, is that, you know, who does the responsibility, who should the, re- the responsibility fall on, right? Should it be all of us should it be something that just individuals do should it be something that falls to big corporations like you know we all buy bottled water or a lot of us buy bottled water we buy a lot of different things should they start you know mandating that their stuff be biodegradable because as a consumer a lot of times you're just kind of going to go with what's the cheapest one right and sometimes a biodegradable option is not always the cheapest. So it's like, okay, well, should you require that this be there? Or should you try to eliminate certain things? Like I know Starbucks was like, well, we're going to get rid of straws. And it was like, okay, but like, are your plastic cups recyclable or not? You know what I mean? Like, because your straws are, are harmful to sea turtles and... um Sometimes I become a PETA activist when it comes to exotic animals. Like, for example, the snow caps are melting and the polar bears are dying and starving. That's something we should all be concerned about, right? 
um because that also falls into a climate crisis i think that along with jasmine's point of us not necessarily being well versed in that is i don't think that we often understand how deep climate crisis impacts us because we traditionally look at it as just recycling right but like flint flint michigan still has dirty water that's a climate crisis um and there are hundreds or hundreds of thousands or thousands tens of thousands at least of children that were born there with birth defects directly related to that to that dirty water um which is going to mess up a generation of people right it's it's a whole generation or a generation or two um that are impacted by that and um the dakota pipeline that was at Standing Rock, yeah, right. Um, that was at Standing Rock, and that got reversed by by President Trump almost immediately. Um, which okay, that's fine. Like, not to badmouth it, right? But then they had a, a tragic oil spill, um, and y'all know that my family is from Southern Mississippi, right? And then BP had an oil spill there and we've truly never recovered from that. And so it's just thing after thing where I don't think you really think it how it impacts you because a large portion of seafood comes from the Gulf of Mexico and now those are mutated because of oil. And that impacts like the cost of certain foods, um, people's jobs, like all this stuff. And so, I mean, I'm not extremely well-versed in climate crisis either, but I understand that we've had a few preventable and avoidable travesties um, and we're continuing to have them. And it's like really unfortunate because it's like, it didn't have to be that way. Like we could have switched away from fossil fuel a long time ago. You know what I mean? We could have started, I I don't know, like, there's Tesla, right? Tesla's expensive, so I'm not talking about Tesla, but we could have had more options than just a Prius or a Tesla a long time ago. Right. Like, we we could have done better. And so now, um, I don't know if you know, but there was an article that came out maybe like three or four weeks ago that said the UN climate people are going to meet and we have about four years before our Earth starts reaching... Um, dangerous temperatures to where it'll start just having like start having abnormal things like y'all have hurricane like winds in Utah not that long ago that's abnormal Facts. Um, it snows here in the south that's abnormal um, and in Vegas like you said y'all have tornadoes out there which is abnormal you know what I mean there's hurricanes on the east coast and the west coast and tsunamis happening all the time and so like all of those things are abnormal and so you see it consistently getting worse and um you have this large body of experts that are saying it's getting worse and so i hope that they all kind of do something because yeah i mean i'm not i'm not trying to go out for something that's preventable you know what i mean but to your point i think this also comes back to like what we were just talking about with like the economy right things are way overpriced you know like the cost to do a lot of these things like you're saying like with cars like tesla or fossil fuels and you know things like that like to make things more to be more healthy to have biodegradable cups and straws like it's more expensive and they have to pass those costs on to consumers right and like you're saying like if it, if a bottle of water is 99 cents and the one that's bio biodegradable is 250 like people are gonna buy the 99 cent water bottle you know because right. you don't have this disposable income right and there there is people who do have disposable income and can do that but I, there are a lot of people who don't like myself who I'm gonna buy the 99 cent water bottle because I need to save the, the, the right. money so I think it also comes back to like they have to make things more like cost effective for people to be able to take right. advantage of doing those things but until that happens like how can we like people are not gonna choose the the 
the 250 water bottle <laughs> you know right so that's what pegged the question initially that I asked in the beginning, right? Is whose responsibility is it? Is it a corporation's responsibility or is it an individual's responsibility? Because we could also say, you know, they, they started doing stuff like bamboo now, like recyclable stuff with bamboo. And I think that a lot of people are not necessarily looking for that, right? Because it's also a thing of convenience. And so we, we all got to do our parts and then when I say okay well I've done all I can do then like you got to pick up the slack but okay last two things probably like the biggest things we like excuse me but we dead ass should have started with those things because it's racial it's racial justice and gun control so we're gonna do a speed round give me in one minute how you're feeling about racial justice one, two, three, go to shell. I am feeling unimpressed with the response um, from the Trump administration. And um, yeah, I guess that's all I was just saying. I'm unimpressed and I'm, I'm concerned more than ever about racial relations. And, you know, I guess the one thing I can say is I'm, I'm thankful it's being brought to light but I don't see a lot of changes yet, right? Especially when no one is condemning, no one in these higher up positions are really condemning white supremacy and racism. And um, I'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Okay. One, two, three, one minute, go Jasmine, racial yeah, justice. Yeah, to piggyback off of what Tichelle said, I definitely think I, it's a very unnerving time when you have the president mm-hmm. of the free world not standing up and saying that groups like the the KKK and the good old boys are you know not saying they're great but not saying that those groups don't belong here in America right um not Mm -hmm. saying that we don't stand for that I think definitely is scary for people of color um I think it's scary the amount of um, like police interactions that people of color and specifically men of color have to have at such young ages. I think it's really scary the fact that we have this, we're in this age of social media and everybody can state their opinion on things that they truly don't have a huge understanding of. Um, like police brutality and interactions and why parents of children of color have to have these conversations about walking home from school at such a young age, right? And what to do when stopped by the police that a lot of children, a lot of white, white children don't have to have. Um, I think it's really scary that we are now just talking about racial injustice in this way that we haven't in years um and i think that says something about us as a country of what we value um and i think i'll leave it at that okay that was over oh, my bad, girl. but thank you for your work <laughs> you know because i can talk i'm a leo this I'm girl a leo, and i will I'm a Leo. I'm going to just leave it out Listen, back. Listen, <laughs> I... Okay, then. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. So, my thoughts on racial injustice to echo and mirror almost what both of y'all said exactly. Um, I am very nervous and terrified to be in this country at this time because there's just so much hate that is going on. Um, and I feel that it's just hate that's boiling over. And it is definitely misdirected and misplaced um and i just pray that we can start holding everybody accountable from the top down for their actions their statements all of that because um i i know that i all 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 we're trying to do is live you know what i mean all we're trying to do is do life liberty and the pursuit of happiness and to have that continually and consistently being infringed upon um on a group of people that truly did not choose to be here but are here and resilient nonetheless um is very 
irritating and frustrating and disheartening. Huh? Mm. It'll be your own people. That's why we can't progress as a people. I just get it. Okay. <laughs> Gun control. One, two, three, go. We're at an hour, y'all. This is they not fit. Okay. We had anyway. an hour to show. One, two, three, gun control. Go. We can always split it. Uh, gun control is a hot topic in a lot of the states we live in, right? Gun rights. And, um, yeah. you know, I don't know a lot about gun control, but I do. The, the thing I think about, and I guess I use the word disparity all the time, but there really is a disparity in who can, who can actually um, be protected by control laws mm-hmm. because I gentlemen not even gentlemen around permits to carry they're never stopped never bothered and then we have our kids out there with pretend guns or candy or what it's not right you know so we get treated a lot different if we have guns and think about even you know and a lot of times we have our permits we have whatever we still are you know Mm-hmm. as criminals where others are not held accountable the same way so it, to me it's kind of a joke mm-hmm. doesn't protect everybody I agree I agree Jasmine gun control yeah. one two three go I'm not very well versed in gun control however I don't really understand the need to have a military grade rifle or a, a gun or whatever it have be as a citizen i do understand that um we do have these amendments right to be able to the right to bear arms and to protect yourself and if that means you need to have the same quality grade as the military and in essence i guess i get that however i feel like there are just so many countries other other developed countries that have outlawed guns even for their police and we see a lot less like shooting like school shootings and things like that um and that their police forces are able to handle situations without guns so in my Mm -hmm. opinion i don't necessarily see the point of having them but to chichelle's point i definitely think that not all laws um are get treated equally when it comes to the people who they're supposed to protect um which is our american citizens so I do think there needs to be some sort of talk or reconstruction around those laws and who they're really made for. Um, and I'll leave it at that. Miss okay. Shekinah, your one minute spill, please. <laughs> well, um, so I did like barely like some light research on it and we'll have more for y'all next time. But I know that in the black community, there's about 24% of, of gun owners um, and I think that my thoughts on owning a gun at first, like I was never really raised around them, didn't really like them. Now that I live um, relatively alone and in a new place, I am for them. I think that they are not to be used as toys, right? I also don't understand the point of like an AK-47 or a rifle, any of that. Um, And I don't understand them being sold to anybody who is under the age of 18 i don't also understand them being sold to anybody who has some sort of disgruntled or um mental severe and this is not to to point out you know any of those because we all suffer from mental illness to some extent right but i think to severe mental health illnesses um i don't necessarily think that that is the best method um that being said i also think that falls in to any person in any profession, right? Because um, mental health awareness goes across professions as well. I don't think that if you're in a profession that allows you to carry a firearm and you suffer from a severe mental health, I don't think you need a gun like that or need to be in high stress situations like that. Um, I am interested to see what they say about that. I don't think that they're going anywhere, which is unfortunate because we have had consistent mass shootings um, within the last four years like never before um but i also think that we all need to be educated um about gun usage gun control and i think that we should if you are able to obtain one you should have a concealed weapons permit and we can join our own organizations like the national african-american rifle association (laughs) (laughs) power to the people do the right thing okay 
So I just want to thank y'all for spending this hour and five minutes with me talking about these things. I know that we're going to come back again um, once the October 7th vice presidential debate airs and we will debrief. Um, Thank y'all to the listeners for hanging in there with us. Um, We hope that you enjoyed it, that you learned something new. If you have any questions, comments, concerns about anything that we said, please feel free to reach out to us. Um, Constructive criticism only. On all social media platforms. On all social media platforms. Um, Last thing we'll leave it up with and we'll end it with is Tashel, Miss Tashel, why do you vote? I vote because change is needed. Miss Jasmine, why do you vote? I vote because it's my birthright. Straight gonna steal my ass. Don't hate. No, why do you vote? I vote because. I need to leave a better legacy behind me. Okay. So that being said, Miss Jasmine. Ain't nobody got us like we got us. Thanks for listening to We Got Us Wednesdays. We'll see y'all next time. Bye. Bye.